Welcome to Talking In Stations. I am Matterall. This is the show about EVE Online. So today we're going to explore the news and uh, talk about um, CCP's and CSM's meeting at the Winter Summit. We'll also talk about players and generations of players. Uh, but first I want to introduce everyone. And this time I'm actually going to introduce them and then we'll just get right to the show. So we have from Bastian Carneros, who's their spiritual leader. Spiritual <laughs> leader. <laughs> um, from Brave, we have Dunk Dinkle. From a Mercenary Coalition, Celine, who's also their spiritual leader. <laughs> well, and we also have uh, Tiberius from NC Dot. Also, Dice Corporation with me. He's like my spiritual brother. Oh, that made me feel a warm and fuzzy inside. <laughs> it meant to. And we have, <laughs> from INN, we have Thel, uh, who's also from Test, and he's off camera today. Thanks, Thanks uh, everyone, for joining us. Um, let's get right to some news and uh, first start out with Catch Update. And maybe, Thel, you could tell us what's been going on there since you're in Test. Yeah, so um, Test... Uh couple month or a month or about now we left uh, Vale of the Silent to move down with CO2, Drone Walkers, uh, Wrecking Maternal, and Mercenary Coalitions with us uh, and we started off by taking some of Volt space and now we've just been gradually progressing. CO2's uh, going for impasse, uh, burning Soviet Union space, uh, test is moving into Esoteria and the war has just been progressing pretty nicely. There was uh, a couple big fights at the beginning uh, when Goons moved in and we're helping the Russians, but uh, there haven't been too many uh, actual fights in the past week or so. They were good fights at the beginning, that's for sure. Yeah, so it's calming down, I guess? Uh, I mean, the Intosis work is still going uh, faster than ever, but uh, there haven't been many uh, fights. There's just really no reason for the Russians to form, because we cannot form them. Not to say they're absent, though. They're definitely harassing uh, Intosisers and trying to take back high hubs. Well, that's good to know. It kind of seemed like they just disappeared and were in waiting or something. But they are harassing you guys. They are, yeah, they're still definitely around. Um, they just can't really fight uh, on a main fleet level. Yeah. And so the end goal is for you guys to capture territory so that you can pacify it and then eventually build your super capital armada, which is what you guys are trying to do. Uh, yeah, so Tess has kind of always moved around a lot. About a year ago, we were in Wicked Creek, and we went to Vale, and um, we haven't had a steady home for a lot of time, and I think uh, the way it's been explained to me is that when uh, we realized in the Tribute War that we don't have nearly the, the squabbles of other alliances just because we haven't been stationary for as long. So we're looking to you know settle down, have the good routing space, and just build up a nest egg. Uh, for both the Alliance and the line members. Yeah, that's cool. Um, all right, so uh, if there's nothing else on that, and anyone got anything on catch? Well, yeah, just the from um, my perspective on the other side, uh, the settle down and build caps and super caps thing shouldn't really be associated too much with catch. Catch is sort of um, turned into a freeway and a path to get from point A to point B, C, D, E, F. And it is, it's not the place where people go to build lots of capitals. It's not safe, right? 
Well, it's, it's, a, it's a really convenient path to get to other places, but the other places nearby are generally a better place to go build a lot of caps. So, so like, a, like Esoteria the, and the surrounding regions. Yeah, so the catch part is calm at the moment. There's, a, there's the harassment stuff going on and the, and the you know, gardening work necessary, but it's not the, it's fallen into sort of a, uh, an equilibrium with each person, each faction getting what they need out of the picture, except, except maybe the stain wagon guys and the, uh, and sort of a buffer group in between anyone who can't be next to each other. It's like arranging all the plates at a complicated dinner party. You have to be careful who sits next to whom. Just and then the crap. All right, the plates have been settled now, so it's it's calm and no one's yelling. Catch just the crossroads of Eve, so uh, all the alliances can use it as like a launching pad to hit uh, their regions. You know, CO2 and Impasse and Tess and Esotheria. And then I don't know where Drone Walkers and uh, Requiem Eternal are going to be taking the range and like uh, those catches in the pretty much the middle of the you got the hybrid the high sec gate and covers it's uh, really good to uh logistics yeah celine you might know this is has catch always played that role of being a kind of a freeway well i would think that catch is appropriately named because it's always seemed to caught uh, a lot of people fighting over it uh to various degrees successfully or unsuccessfully over the years i've probably been in about three or four wars there over my time in eve so i definitely think it's a high traffic area and like f4r has been pretty much one of the one of the big tug of wars ever since iss put that galente station down there in like 2006 or something so it's it's not unusual to see the region change hands once every year or two i think that the current group that's down there though has designs on actually sticking around for a while and the coalition they built has the numbers and the organization i think as long as they don't start shooting each other they should be uh they should have a bit of permanence down there it'll be interesting to see how uh how long that lasts or you know what their next move is or if you know anybody's going to try to rally back and move against them cool look look catch is the jewel of nullsec that's what it is. Of course. Uh, <laughs> Dunk Brave was there for uh, with the Hero Coalition for a while. Uh, did I, still you guys... have a, I still have a blueprint there if anyone wants to pick it up for me. That, is, right. that what, is that what Brave names every region that they decide to move to? No. Catch oh. was named the Jewel of Nelsec by the Matani. That's who named it the Jewel of Nelsec. Wow. Okay. I think that name Jewel of Nelsec has been uh, cast upon different regions or different systems, actually. Because it's interesting, isn't it, that systems became very strategic uh, depending on what era of EVE you were playing. Different systems, and that's why stations went in there, because they were little um, jump points to, a, you know, you could patrol a certain region or part of a region from a certain station. The like geography of Eve has changed all of the citadels because if you wanted to invade somewhere, you had to first book the station and then that was where you would live. But now you can just drop an Astro House or a Fortazar anywhere and in 24 hours you have a new staging. Uh, so you don't have to rely on like the pre-built stations. That, that's a very oh, that's, interesting phenomenon. Go ahead, Ty. 
unless you drop them in uh, hostile space, then they take a week to anchor. Well, that too, yeah. But, it but is yeah, otherwise. Yeah, it is interesting that the geography is uh, is changing now that the you don't have those, uh, you know, those, I don't know, the important systems are, are constantly changing, which is interesting because what was important, uh, like head GP is still very important because that's an entry from a high sec to null sec, which is one of the few, I think. Uh, so that system will always be really important. Um, but there's other ones like that that were famous systems that are no longer as famous or as necessary as they were before. I, I think I actually want to think about those, maybe write something about those old systems. Uh, okay, we'll move on to uh, something's really cool. Uh, when I was working at EN24, we did a podcast with Akira, and it was to celebrate Brave's second year anniversary. And I remember that because it was one of the first podcasts we did. Uh, but Brave now turns four. Congratulations, Dunk. Thank you. Yes, in two days, uh, it will be the fourth birthday of Brave collect or Brave Newbies, uh, the corp that became the Alliance. So it's very exciting. Hard to believe it's been four years of playing this insane game. But um, That's crazy how fast that's gone. You guys survived. Actually, Tiberius, you were in Brave. Yeah, I was in Brave for a year and a half, I think it was. Um, you know, I, and certainly I wasn't around for sort of the, the low sec days when um, Brave really started go, got going and like Dunk was, but certainly I joined on once um, it became the new kid on the block as, as far as sort of null sec was concerned. And, you know, it was it was fantastic. It was a great time. Um, it was like quite literally content every day, which, you know, um, just not a lot of people were made able to deliver. And as far as I understand, Brave still delivers to this day. Yeah. Content always. every day. How is it in Brave these days? We still have PL attacking uh, we're, you. Well, we're, we're doing pretty good. Uh, we just have been moving into Cloud Ring and trying to get all our, ourselves all set up there. That seems to be going pretty well. Um, obviously, without a uh, big war in the north, uh, there's a lot of blueness going on. Uh, so people are looking for anyone who's not blue, which means sometimes us. Uh, it also puts in strange situations in which there'll be a fight in which uh, over an asset in which Pandemic Horde is there to help Brave, and they're blue to us. Uh, and then PL will show up on scene, and PL is uh, does not see Brave as blue. Um, <laughs> and so you have this strange thing of where Pandemic Horde people are basically, basically seeing everyone blue. They can't shoot anyone, uh, and then Brave is getting obliterated. Um, so it's it's very strange diplo dynamics, and then you throw in the initiative showing up or uh, uh, chaos showing up, and then you get this very strange who can shoot who, and tactically it, it's very weird these days. So oh. we'll get more into Brave in a second when we talk about players. Um, but next, let's go to uh, MC has also I guess the second coming of MC Mercenary Coalition turn two. Uh, so congratulations, to you, Celine. Yeah, that was on the 21st of the month, and we've had quite an eventful couple of years, to say the least, and I think that we're kind of in the same mode that a lot of people are right now. There's been war, 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 and I think a week ago, we finally decided to take a break for a couple of weeks, and um, it's been interesting watching the kill board and uh, how many people have forgotten how to shoot rats 
and the expensive things that they're losing doing it. But, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I really want us to get a contract soon so we have a fleet left to fight with. So that would be great. <laughs> Veterans going down to rats because they forgot how to fight them. It's, it's, it's really quite funny. As a matter of fact, last night we had, uh, we had a guy in a carrier uh, getting a getting a bit of trouble against a small little group, and then somehow another uh, sixty goons came through a wormhole in Caracals, and <laughs> that set off. Uh-oh. And the Benny Hill music started playing, and it uh, we saved the carrier, but it was a, it was a very tense ten or fifteen minutes. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> That's hilarious. I thought I saw you guys form up at E Vegas two years ago. Yeah, there was a small group of guys there uh, right after we had first gotten started up, and then this year. We had a much more, I think we had about 40 or 50 guys there and we we're getting ready for fan fest as well. So we should be, you should see quite a few of us in all of these Eve meets. It's, it's a lot of fun. We were discussing that before everything kicked off uh, earlier and the Eve meets, I think that uh, it was Stargazer who was saying that, you know, who, who talks about Eve, you know, I'm going, I go to see people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and you, you made it down to London as well uh, last year. Uh, um, yeah, this year that was yeah that was a hell that was crazy. I went to uh, Vegas and I flew back on Monday to Germany, and then I got on a plane the following Saturday and went to London for the weekend. That's I'm dedication not, for you right there. <laughs> I'm not doing that again anytime soon. That was like, yeah, much. Yeah, and you in Vegas you had the party suite too. You guys won that, and uh, and that's where um, I took a picture of Matani with uh, uh, dried up leg Lenny. Well, that, is, that is another thing that I'm not doing again either, or at yeah. least, at the very least, I will say this. If your alliance wins that suite and you're over like 25 years old, don't take it. Give it to some young guy in your alliance who doesn't want to go to sleep before five in the morning. Believe me, it's, <laughs> it's, not, all as, it's not as much fun as you think it is if you're the owner of that room. That is great advice. Uh, okay, so the last piece of news that's interesting, very interesting, is Vince Draken is going to run for CSM, and we hope to have him on the show soon. Uh, but uh, that is a very unexpected development. That's a shocker to me, that's for sure. And I'm in the lines. <laughs> I was saying before, I, I, I warned him, you know, when you see how the sausage is made, you can count on, you, you know, you're going to leave E for about a year afterwards, or your playtime is definitely going to go down. It's it's a lot of work, it's a lot more work than people think it is. It's it's very rewarding and very interesting, but it, <laughs> it, you see a side of E that you probably rather not see sometimes when you see how these people uh, do their do the things. Sorry, eating the sausage when you don't know what sort of grizzly bits go into it. Yeah. No, sleep. There's a visual. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, from a from a, a perspective and my point of view, and yes, you know, you can you feel quite happy to accuse me of blowing smoke up people's asses as well. Um, so far, out of all the candidates that have put their name forward, he's probably one of the most experienced, um, certainly when it comes to Dalsec Sovereignty Wars fair um, so far, that's, that's said that they're running. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and, and as a leader of one of the longest-running alliances um, going, um, or have been leading parts of some of the longest-running alliances as well, um, I think uh, you know he, he brings a lot of probably more psychology to the table. Like, what do these people actually like doing? Um, and I think it might be a good balance and check. 
uh, whether he'll come out the other end the same same person uh, who knows but uh, it's it's interesting he's he's applied for it and so for anyone who doesn't know nc at dot is led by Vince Strachan, but he's he's kind of a leader that uh, comes in rallies the troops and then uh gets busy with real life and then comes back. But he's always like, when he shows up, everybody shows up. It's kind of a interesting phenomenon. Well, I think it's good that he's running and I do hope he gets on it because he's one of those guys that's been, you know, playing on and off for over a decade. And regardless mm -hmm. of, you know, whose side he's on in or out of game or whatnot, I think that it's good that someone who has been playing that long still has enough interest to actually try to get on the CSM because those those long term perspectives are very helpful. Uh, even if you don't even if you don't like every idea they ha idea they have or proposal that they would put forward, it's good to kind of have a bit of history, you know, on the council instead of just a bunch of guys who started playing a couple of years ago. That's the bitter vet in me talking, but you know, it is what it is. It's been no. like super active for basically like the whole time um, that I've been playing, which is a couple of years, and I think he's like he really knows the game, so I hope he gets elected. I think he'd do good. Yeah, I don't mean he takes. Uh like breaks and stuff it's uh every you know few weeks and stuff it'll uh be missing for a while or when campaigns slow down but when the wars are on he's he's definitely there but um go ahead who's next carneros did you want to say something no, no. oh sorry it just looked like you were about to jump on the, <laughs> judging by faces and proximity to microphones um but we'll move on actually to csm summit and we have we're very lucky because celine and carneros both worked at ccp uh, and so it's, it'll be an interesting perspective from the other side as well. Um, but the CSM Winter Summit is about to happen. Is it happening now or is it this weekend or uh, next week? Yeah, and they're going to stream parts of it apparently, which is uh, both awesome and probably horrifying for a few of those guys. Yes, exactly. that, that blew my mind. Like, honestly, because, you know, for the entirety that the CSM has been running, it's literally been a bunch of people go out, you see, if you follow the, the CSM people on Twitter, you, you see all these little tweets, oh, we're having a meeting on this, or we're having a meeting about that, and here's a sneak little picture, and here's a trolley one giving you some leaks, but haha, not really. Um, and then you wait, and then you get the notes. And but until well, I don't think they're the going to be streaming the meetings. I mean, they, they, I think they're no, going to be doing like daily updates or something, right? Yeah. Um, so what I understand is, is that it's going to be a section in the day where they get a chance i there's a little lack of detail on exactly what they're going to be talking about of this but this no, is probably shocking. the first yeah shocking <laughs> but um the first time they've actually tried this and i'm really curious as to how it's going to work and what the actual content is going to be well let me, let me say a couple words about what it's like to be a csm member arriving for the summit because you're going to fly in, you're at all different times of days, and your sleep habits are going to be off. They're going to put you in a little hotel. You're going to show up first thing in the morning on the first day of the summit. You'll come up the elevator to the, I think it's the third floor where the reception is. Come in, and right behind the reception desk, they have this glass conference room that is not very big, and it will fit all the CSM members. All the CCP guests who are participants who are related to that particular subject that is up first, 
you'll get a schedule for the day that says each hour what you're going to be talking about or which which team or which department is going to come in and, and talk to you for that period of time. You know, you've got a rigorous schedule. You'll take a break at lunch and then you'll quit later for dinner, but it's not a very big room. It sometimes uh, loses some of its freshness. <laughs> yeah, it, the room is the room is encased in glass, and yes. you can see the you can see the harbor and the fresh Iceland air right on the other side of that glass. But you're in the room with like twelve very sweaty men. And maybe <laughs> it's, yeah, it gets like it gets, a, it gets bacon at times. It's like yeah. a terrarium. Uh, it's yeah. not a great candidate for filming. I mean, that's, that's, that's basically be... what I do every day at work is I have to go to meetings in large rooms that get hot and sweaty where people argue about things. <laughs> Maybe I mean, that should be one of the criteria. There'll be a communications device for people who are participating from uh, home because if some people can't, can't show up for it. And, they... and they'll, yeah, they'll do the best they can. It's not, uh, uh, it's not really conducive. I, I agree. The best thing to do would be to film updates afterwards. But it's a relief when everyone says, okay, you got a break for 15 minutes. You can go outside and have mm -hmm. a cigarette or get a coffee and you walk out of that room for air. That should be one of the criteria questions, right? Like how do you manage uh, humidity or something? <laughs> Crazy. I still think, I still remember one, one of the pictures that came out um, from last, last summit and you see everybody in that room and uh, you can tell exactly who was um, the student out of the group because they were the only person that had their hand up in the air waiting for their turn to speak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's... Um, God bless Bob Bob. I love him. <laughs> get some good stuff done in the evenings because you'd often all go out to dinner and then maybe I'll go out to a bar afterwards and have a couple you know, cocktails. And some of the best interactions then would happen there. It's away from the recording devices. It's away from the note-taking. Uh, people have loosened up a little bit, courtesy of alcohol, and, uh, and they can, you can look them in the eye and have a conversation with them. That's a little harder to do in the big, sweaty room. So <laughs> That's what we're going to call it from now on, big, sweaty greenhouse. <laughs> totally. Big, sweaty nerd greenhouse. There we go. <laughs> oh, you make it I mean, so appealing. I can see why people don't come back to Eve. Because then they're not going to want to run for CSM. But, but, um, I, but for me, I'm, I've always been a little bit of a skeptic of, of the CSM process. Um, just a little bit. Because I always, I always wonder exactly what value um, CCP get out of this at all. And it's really hard, I guess, for CCP and the CSM to sort of say, hey, there is this value out of it, because so much of it is kept behind closed doors, at least until things are announced. Um, so that's that's always something that I've always been concerned about. And for people, and there's uh, now we've got the opportunity that there's a couple of people here that have been on both ends of the table. Um, what value do you guys think they get from that? I think it's entirely dependent upon who is like who at the time was like you know who's the senior producer who's the executive producer who are the you know the the actual game developers and i think it's you know not a stretch to state that there have been varying levels of reception over the years that this uh has been going on some 
some of the devs look at the CSM as some just long running experiment that, you know, they will or won't participate in. And others are very enthusiastic about getting that kind of feedback from players who are actually willing to put their time into trying to help, you know, move things forward. And you've seen, there's been a few expansions when you've actually seen the fruits of that labor. And there's been other expansions whenever you can tell, well, they obviously didn't listen to a damn thing anybody said, <clears throat> Karna. And um, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that it's not, I would never tell anybody not to do it because if you think that you've got something to contribute, then you definitely should try because the team that they got right now is probably one of the more receptive they've had in a, a while. I think that Seagull has, uh, she's articulated a vision for Eve and I think she yeah. wants to get as much input as she can towards achieving that. The the designers, you know, Fozzie and a few of the other ones, they seem to be interested in what people have to say primarily because they were players for such a long time. I, but at the end of the day, it really comes down to how the members of the CSM decide to present themselves as well. That's a very big part of it. If you go in there with pitchforks and torches, you're not going to get nearly as far as if you actually come in, you know, and you have an, you know, and you don't look like you just crawled out of the North Atlantic, you know, and you actually have some things to say, you know, in, in a language everyone understands. Going on to like the roadmap of you, I see on the uh, CSM schedule, uh, they have the welcome and then their first thing's the roadmap. And um, that's good for me, I think, just because CCP, you know, they have a vision. They presented one at FanFests. I want to say it was 2013 or 2014 with, you know, player on star bases. And uh, that's something they're actively working on, which I'm glad. Well, I think the, I mean, I think the biggest change to Eve probably in the last year is the alphas. I mean, by far, that's the most impacting thing that's really happened. I mean, the gameplay stuff is one thing, but the amount of players coming in is changing and the way they come in. So what do you think? You think they're going to revisit like alpha skills? What can they fly? Is it too limited? Is it, <clears throat> is it too almost, wide open? I mean, what, what do you guys think they're going to talk about with alphas or do you think it's going to be, it's great, perfect, don't touch it? I'm almost scared for them to mess with alphas because I think they've got something that works really well. <laughs> I don't yeah. want them to break it. I'd agree with that. I think, I think certainly from from my perspective anyway, and from sort of the feedback, it gives people enough freedom to just start getting into that zone where you know they're in the cruises and they 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 can start realizing some slightly larger ambitions. But if they really want to push it, then they need to start becoming an maker. But the, you know, all that time um, they've got, they can sort of mess around. They've got a lot of freedom. I mean. We gotta remember, like the alpha thing offers, while it's kind of a, a lot extended trial, um, offers one thing that a lot of extended trials don't do, where in fact you can actually still get involved with everything. You just can't use everything, but you can still get involved with everything. And I think that was a, a really interesting thing. Yeah. Something like alphas is a great subject for CCP to put on the agenda for the CSM because. From a lot of uh, points of view, it, the system is working really well. Uh, the, the places where they're going to hear that it's not working is the customer service group and then also uh, talking to the players uh, and the CSM is one of the easiest ways CCP can talk to the players. So asking them, hey, it looks like it's working from our point of view. How does it look from your point of view? Is there something 
broken? Is there something missing like insurance in Citadels or something like that, that we need to uh, jump on and fix? Let us know. Cause we're, we're not hearing it. That's a, that's a right. great use of CSM. Mm. Well, oh, and also, uh, if you're an alpha point. and you run for the CSM, uh, you get an upgrade to an Omega. All right. Last, last point. Uh, so uh, that was the last point. So we're going to move on from CSM to what I wanted to talk about today and the reason I got some veteran players. And I'm going to revisit this topic every once in a while. Uh, Carneros has been playing for a long time in charge of a lot of people. Dunk has a whole generation that he raised and grew up with. Uh, Celine's been around a very long time coming and going, but uh, it's been a name that has echoed through Eve for more than 10 years. Um, and uh, I was wondering like, if we could... In- when I first joined... When I first started playing. Right. He was famous. Yeah. When we came here and uh, we've been around a while. Um, but I wanted to talk about players and I'm going to revisit this because Lady Scarlet is actually going to come on the show and I'm going to bring Selena on. And I'm going to bring Carneros on and three of us and maybe some more. Uh, we'll talk, revisit this topic at a later time. But uh, I wanted to like hit on it now, which is um, what uh, what generations are in eve and if there are generations or is that just a figment of uh, an imagination i mean did people that came to eve in 2004 are they different than the people who are coming now in 2017 well there's the pre-skill injector people and then there's the post-skill injector people and i think that's what i've seen is this huge divide in the way they view the game and the way they think about moving forward in their progression in the game it's the skill injector thing i think was a huge transition in the way people play it was the whole like immediate gratification versus you know 40 days for jdc5 where like now if you can make enough is you can pretty much get anything before you could buy characters but that was still limited but uh with skill injectors you can really get whatever you need right now as long as you have the means to do it i think that uh the introduction of plex is another one where the game fundamentally changed because once plex was introduced it was a very it was something that was hadn't really been seen before, uh, at least that I I can remember in online gaming. And I remember buying a stack of them for under for in and around three hundred mil several years ago. And you know, and you look at you know how they've come up, you know how they've come now. But Plex is a whole other industry, and then Skill Injectors is another one. And as far as generations go, <laughs> one of the one of the, it's it's kind of a running joke, but. There's also kind of the 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 prior, before warp to zero people, and the after warp to zero people, because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people forget that you didn't used to be able to warp to zero, and there was uh, that was like one of the most longest running arguments and changes in in gaming in uh, Eve's history, and then they finally gave it and implemented it because they thought it would make the game too easy if people could just warp to zero on things. <laughs> um, so yes, there's there's a lot of old you know in the snow uphill type but, of stories but, from that type of thing as well. But that's when you could actually sell bookmarks on gates and stuff like that. Right. So you could, oh, there's a little... whole, in, that's what I'm saying. There was a whole, there's whole industries that it, that it killed, you know, and there were these giant debates about like, no, don't do that. You know, you'll hurt. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. Warp to zero is amazing. <laughs> I wonder if I can't, I can't even imagine a game where you can't do that. I, I, I think doing I think that. It, it must've been, be it must've been a different game. It must've been a slower you know, it plotted slower, like things took longer to do. Well, I mean, I think the easiest way to put it is that Eve is smaller today than it was, you know, back then. I mean, back then, right. 
you 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 moved oh my god we're moving 15 jumps to another high sec system to base in oh my god you know people would have fucking aneurysms about this shit and they didn't have freighters and they didn't have you know it's like it, it was it was crazy and then you know it, it, you know and just logistics is so different than it was back then i mean i i mean you know this is one of those in the old day stories i remember freaking out because i had to travel like five jumps to buy an omen because no one else was making omens and you had to get an omen because you could put that fourth mining laser on that thing and then don't not put it in the <laughs> hangar at night because people will get mad at you because they can't mine with the omen you know it, you know it was <laughs> it's just it was a whole different it was a whole different dynamic and then that was just on like you know the the nice side of things on the other side of things i mean we could talk we could probably all talk for you know several minutes more than we have about area of effect doomsdays going through sinos and stupid shit like that that would be fun. Do a whole show on the good old days. <laughs> One thing that I would like to see is kind of how like Eve's demographics have changed over the years. I like it seem I know CCP has said that the average age is like 30 or something. I wonder how like alphas has changed that or if that's any different than you know 04, 03, or when the game started. For my opinion, I know my corp is uh scales on the younger side, but most people are in their thirties. Well, the average age of video gamers is 30. <laughs> That's a bit higher for PC if you separate PC from console. See, that's amazing. Like, you don't think of it that way. You think of it as kids playing video games. I know because, you know, wife aggro is partly you're playing with kids. I'm like, these guys don't look like kids. They look, you know, as old as I am. <laughs> I don't know. I think the <clears throat> a lot of the new players, the alphas are much younger than the current demographic. We're dealing with an awful lot of, you know, 18, 17 year old people. And sometimes the things they say and do and the way they think about the world is very face fall face palmy for people like me. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that the, I think that you've also got people who are, you know, who've been playing this game for a decade and are starting to get their, you know, their 13 and their fifth 14 year old kids, you know, on like an alpha account, you know, and go mind this boy, you know, that you know, and there's not a little of exploitation going on. There's probably a lot. Right. I just I just bought my daughter a gaming laptop and she won't play yeah. Eve. All she wants to play is Overwatch on it. So <laughs> I'll show you on camera. I'm trying to get my nine-year-old to come over because he was born when I started playing Eve. <laughs> I told my 13-year-old that if he came up here, I was going to kill him. So. <laughs> yes, you see? see? It's too, it's too <laughs> early, Dad. What are you doing to me? It's too early. <laughs> totally. It's like, oh. Stop embarrassing him, Dad. <laughs> he was this small when I started playing Eve. Yeah, yeah. All right. It is crazy when you think about it. Like, and and I don't know whether this is this is why all the offshoots of like the competitive side of things have gotten all so serious because just the demographic is getting that much older um, than what it used to be. Um, even now, I was having a conversation um, with the other half uh, because one of our one of my our corp mates is quite an important global consultant. Um, and I was explaining to her this this concept. He's like fifty odd years old. It was like, and he plays a computer game with you. I was like, yeah. And it was like, to me, it was like totally the most normal thing in the world. But to to other people, no, it's it's not. It's totally bizarre. Well, it's it's the same uh, sitting around a campfire telling stories. Uh, and uh, I think it's interesting. And I, I saw an interview with a guy who did uh, Metal Gear Jacket. Was that his name? Metal Gear Solid. Um, yeah, wrong. I was thinking of the movie, but um, he was saying that movies and 
video games are going to merge. And uh, I think maybe his next video game might even be a closer step to that. But that doesn't seem far-fetched to me at all. Uh, it's because it's all about stories. I think that one of the more interesting uh, differences between, since you, know, you put 2004, 2017 up there, is you know going back to where we were talking about player meets there were i mean you know 10 12 years ago there were people that were playing this game that didn't even have a ts server they're like literally typing targets into you know the, the fleet chat or the gang <laughs> chat you know i don't even know if they had fleets it, it was you know and then there was that awful e-voice experiment that ccp had you know which you know was hilarious and i remember uh ironically it was really funny that that story that i alluded to before we went on air when I was when I was working at CCP, I think at two thousand in two thousand nine, I think Mitani came to eFanFest for the first time. Uh, I think it was in two thousand nine, and he came up to me and he was like, "I just met this guy from Atlas, and I fucking hate this dude, <laughs> and he's the nicest guy. I never should have come here, you know." And and it's and I think that that's that's kind of says it all right there because there was a long time, you know, the dark ages where there was real anger in this game, you know, and, and um, I've heard uh, Grath say, you know, that, you know, this is a game that thrives on hate. And then you go and you go to the Eve meets and you meet these people and you and like, oh, I don't hate this guy. I like this guy. You know, I don't want to fight this guy. And over the over the years, it's a very different type of game. It's much more social. It's much more uh, interactive in the real world than it used to be. And I think that that definitely has had an effect on the politics and the direction that you know the the story inside of eve has taken over the years yeah i've heard the uh, uh i've heard that in the early days there was like real hate generating these you know ctas waking up at three in the morning to really attack your enemy especially if you were fighting the russians yes especially. you hear the stories of like wars starting just because somebody said something about somebody else now like I don't think that happens as much. It's mostly, you know, for content or, you know, somebody needs a strategic well, objective. There's no, like, animosity between groups. Well, I don't know. I think oh, I that still I, there's, happens. There's, yeah. there's, there's a lot of personal grudges. Like just takes a few person, words. Yeah, one person didn't like something and they happened to maybe, oh, I don't know, fly a Rorqual around with a bunch of other Rorquals. Like, those are personal grudges. Like, uh, NC Dot <laughs> just attacked CO2 and it was kind of over a comment. And, you know, we pounded Esoteria after the Halloween War. It was pretty much over a comment. And... Pro God Legend takes credit for bringing down a coalition without firing a shot because he got Sword Dragon mad enough to try to do something stupid to go to war without the consensus of test, and it broke <laughs> that coalition apart. But um, the but before that, before people started meeting each other and having beers and everything else, there was uh, you know, literally there was a lot of like you know you were it was a tug of war and you meant to win. It wasn't um, yeah. just for, it wasn't just for funds. I think also as well, certainly when you look back at like the old forums where a lot of sort of the inter-alliance communications were done, you look at the old forums, it was very much more um, RP, role play, in the announcements. People would go onto the forums and make an announcement and go, we are attacking these people because we feel that they've impinged on whatever reason that they want to give at the time. And, you know, there was a real sort of... It's the the home of where all the propaganda that comes out now comes from. It, it sort of stemmed from all of that, where people would go on and make these big grand statements about the evil of their opponents and all these sort of things. And it would, and that was the main line of communication because Reddit didn't exist and, and Twitter wasn't around and all these sort of things. So 
you know, there was a real, yeah, there was a real ongoing narrative of like declarations and counter declarations as well. And you yeah, don't gotta, really seem to get that more. Yeah, I'm going to jump in and support Stargazer here on one point because he's, he's extremely right about the, the sort of role playing aspect of the old forums, but it wasn't just that. People also, you know, before and after, there was a time when Z-Kill didn't exist. There was a time when there weren't even kill mails in the game. Kill mails didn't come for like the first year, year and a half. So you couldn't, I mean, there were literally wars being fought between like Stain Alliance and Curse Alliance. And the the victors were arguing on the forums like, well, I killed this and no, you didn't. And it was, it was ridiculous. So <laughs> that's, that's where they, that's where they kept score, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, he, who, he, who posted the most won the most basically it was ridiculous and i think some people still play you like that yeah i mean certainly you see the the descendant of that is the propaganda wars that happen um you know via streams and reddit and twitter and all sorts of things for various wars now so but back then that that was your only yardstick who was winning the war was basically who was writing the most convincing post (laughs) it's funny that celine still calls it uh, and everybody does kill mail because they used to come in the mail right (laughs) yeah you would i mean as a matter of fact i remember when we first started uh, i mean like in the very very beginning when we first started doing contracts um we actually had a guy do a uh, an app that we could you know just manually input we killed a moa in this system at this time so we would have some sort of system of record to refer to whenever we, you know, we're talking to clients. So that was early 2004. So that was even, you know, we didn't even have it then. So it's, you know, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, there was a time whenever there weren't no APIs or anything like that. And that was definitely another game changer. Well, let's go around the board um, real quick, uh, starting with Carneros. I just want your opinions on alphas. So we said a little something earlier, because that's the huge change to Eve, right? So I want to put that in context. what it means uh, and what they mean now. And by the way, they're called alpacas, which I love. <laughs> Didn't that feel come off the back of a tweet of somebody that mis- misspelled it? Yeah, spell checker messed somebody up, called them alpacas, and it just Twitter just exploded because they love it. <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. Um, I, I think it's, it's made a big impact to have extra uh, young, fresh people coming in. Right now, you, uh, we're at a place in EVE where you still associate an alpha player with someone who is new and fresh and uh, learning has the same kind of wonder and excitement. Oh, wow, their first Titan and their first Titan bridge and things like that. However, a couple of years from now, there may be people who have been steady alphas for a while and aren't that new. So that might that perception might need to change over time. And then uh, it's great having old timers be able to come back and visit and they, they don't have to just get on comms and say hi. They can get in the game. They can, uh, uh, they can uh, say hi from inside the game. They can you know, trade stuff to people. Oh, here, you want my old ship? Or they can uh, uh, you know, get their feet wet before they consider jumping back into the craziness that is Eve. So there, there's a couple really cool things about, uh, about alphas. I haven't been looking at them uh, quantitatively or anything, but just experiencing them each night as I play Eve. Yeah, Dunk? 
You're, you're interesting because you were in Brave and your leadership there, and you guys were ushered in a whole generation of new players and cared to them and met their needs and stuff. What do you think, Alphas? I think it's been great. I definitely think it's brought a lot of new players in. I think the question is going to be, is it financially rewarding to CCP to have done this? Because that's really in the end. They're a business trying to make money and increase their profits. And so the data about that, about how often can they, uh, do they make the, you know, in, uh, the switch from alpha to omega, that's what's going to be driving whether they keep doing it or that kind of thing. So I think that's key. As far as bringing new people into the game, it's been awesome. Um, you know, is it too limited, not limited enough? That's probably up for debate. And probably very much if you're an alpha, you think they're way too limited. If you're an omega, you know, you want to maintain a little bit of separation. But overall, I think it's been helpful. I think every group in the game has been able to benefit from new players coming on board. Yeah, Thel and then uh, Celine. Oh, I think it's overall been really, really good. You look at the newborn players or uh, EVE Offline uh, player counts, and it's just gone up a lot. I don't think um, alphas themselves really have that much impact on politics and the game, because uh, I don't think they haven't been used in scale like we used to see with Brave. Uh, but they're really useful just because they can let new players try out the game and eventually convert them to Omegas if they do. And it's always good to have more players uh, and, you know, new experiences and opinions. Celine, this is something you wanted to uh, have a discussion on. You really like alphas. Well, I think the alphas are probably the, the freshest idea and definitely the boldest idea the CCP has had in years. It was one of those things that when I saw the first dev blog, it was obvious that they, they had massaged that thing over and over and over again before it came out. And it was it was really interesting to see the number of older players that read that thing and walked away going, huh, this is actually not terrible, which is an unusual reaction for, you know, such a giant change, yeah. you know, from the older players of the game. Most is like, oh, what the fuck is it? No, I read it and I was like, wow, this is actually a really good way to implement this. And I know that, uh, I mean, the, some of the largest, you know, the largest groups in the game instantly jumped on that bandwagon and said, like, okay, we got to figure out a way to to do this and not even necessarily exploit it. You know, everyone got excited, like, this is going to breathe life into the game. This is going to get us our next, you know, our next five members, our next hundred members or or, or whatever else. And, um, you know, I, I mean, you know, I know that goons, you know, ramped up Karma Fleet, Waffles started Pancakes. Uh, we, start, uh, we started Mercenary Academy. And a lot of you know all these groups have their own way of doing things you know uh some just throw them off into the deep end uh we we actually do like you know like kind of a violent version of eve university in ma you know um but all in all i just i can't say enough good things about it and that's why i said earlier i kind of hope that they don't try to tweak it too much because this is one of those things that i don't really think is broken right now and they got it right what about yeah. you Tiberius? what do you think about that I don't know. I mean, I, I I love the idea. Sadly, me being me in a bit of air, in a bit of air alliance that just likes dropping their big shiny ships around all over the place. I don't actually get much exposure to them. Um, but from the general feedback I get from the grapevine, um, is is great. And you know, there was a little. I will admit, there was a little smile that sort of crept across my face when I saw a recent um, battle report between PL and Brave. Um, 
and it features the brave T1 frigate E Wing again, um, with something like 50 carries, or so, uh, not carries, uh, what's the T1 version of the carries? Griffins. Uh, not Griffins, the Mollusses. That's it, the little Mollusses. And I just know that those uh, PL battleships were having a hard time trying to fend them off. And most of them were Alphas, um, which just. That just made me feel a little bit fuzzy because I think CCP recognised certainly um, when you look at the history of the fastest growing alliances in in the game, Goons, Test, Brave, Pandemic Horde, and all the other ones. Um, it is that that sort of one year, two year player group that fill them. It is those those new guys that just rush into those looking for content, looking for things to do, um, and I think. The alpha just means, hey, you know, you don't have to pay. You can still get involved with these groups. But, you know, if you want to take it further, then here is your op- opportunity to do so by upgrading to the make. So I think I think it's working out pretty well. Um, I'd love to see, because I remember when we did, a, you did a bit of research with CCP Rise where you were talking about demographics and you got some demographic figures about how old accounts were, um, what sort of skill point levels they were. I would mm-hmm. love to see that again now. Um, after a year of alphas. I think I got that information right at the end of its validity because now with skill injectors, you can't tell by skills how old people are and stuff. So really, that's Mm. like the snapshot that'll have to just be the end of it. Revisiting it, I don't think. Because it was totally different back then. So now it's kind of maybe going with how old accounts are as opposed to how many SP they have. Um, Let's uh, actually uh, move on to uh, announcements. We're wrapping up the show now. Uh, wondering, like, uh, there's a tournament, right? And um, you had some things you wanted to announce? Yeah, so um, the Eventy Cup uh, finished last weekend. And uh, Celine, I understand, is very proud of his uh, Nasty Boys team uh, for winning that. Uh, part of Mercenary Coalition, uh, they came in first place and they won themselves uh, the top prize of 12 Plex. Um, and of course, the Cup is not the main tournament, it is the qualifying tournament for the new teams that want to get into the championship. Uh, so uh, the Nasty Boys and the other top seven teams of the NT Cup um, go through to the minor leagues um, and the championship starts on the 5th. Um, and that's shaping up to be another good one. So if you like your tournament type stuff, um, just keep an eye out for uh, eventy stuff coming up soon. Um, but yes, it was it was really good to run. It was really fun to run, and uh, lots of new and old teams uh, alike. And it was uh, pretty interesting matches. Oh, what about meetups? Uh, meetups, uh, lots of meetups. Speaking uh, of making on. friends, speaking of making yeah, friends. Speaking of friends. Um, Australia, once again, is reaffirming their position as probably the most social of all EVE players going by having four meets um, at the f- in, within the first two months of the year. Um, they've just held one, uh, but they've got uh, one coming up in Perth, uh, Melbourne, and where is the other one? I haven't got the other one to hand, but they've got Perth and Melbourne, um, both happening on the February the 4th. Um, so go check those out. There is the Toronto monthly meet uh, kicking off again on uh, the 4th of February at 1pm. I believe that is at their usual place, which is, once I load the page up, I think it's at the Amsterdam Brew House. Yes, it's at the Amsterdam Brew House. There you go. Um, and then the other big one for next month is uh, Eventy London um, is on February 18th as well. 
Fantastic. And Dunk, there's one in Pasadena every two weeks, right? It's the second Saturday of the month in California, in Southern California, in Pasadena. Yeah. So everyone's welcome to come there. Basically Los Angeles. Uh, there's also another big meetup. It's called FanFest. And uh, <laughs> I suggest if you have the means to do it. It is really a lot of fun to go to something like FanFest. Uh, you can drink with me. I have my plane tickets. I will be bringing the briefcase briefcase of friendship there. So uh, oh, God, oh, I've seen I it. remember that. The, the elixir. That's awesome. There's something to be seen, actually. Yeah, if, if Dunk comes walking up to you at FanFest with a funny little shaped jug in it and goes, here, drink this all in one go. And you're like, okay. <laughs> Don't do too many of them. <laughs> all right, that's, the only, that's the only advice I can give. And by the way, when you go, uh, do you go with the whole family or do you go by yourself? Uh, well, last year uh, I took Mrs. Dinkle with me. She was very excited to go to Iceland. And she, she knows she's called Mrs. Dinkle. <laughs> yes, yes. She's had, <laughs> had to put up with me being video game names for a very long time. Right. And uh, she insisted we go again this year. She's very excited to go again. Um, our kids are in college, so they can stay there and do their whatever college things. But um, yeah, bringing your significant other is a blast because there's lots of parties and it, it is a lot of fun. Iceland's a really amazing place. And, and this uh, year, the Sisters of Eve thing is actually going like underneath the glacier and they're going to drink beer from the walls of the glacier. Yeah, my wife heard about that. We, I took her about two years ago and uh, she heard about that and she's like, oh, I'm going this year. I got to go on to do the glacier. So, Yeah. Uh, Carneros, you had one last thing? Oh, are, are we at the shout outs? But, yeah. yeah. That's just fantastic. I've been five times. Love it. <clears throat> Absolutely crack on. Yeah. But if we're at the shout outs, I wanted to give one out, out to, to Rick's Javix because uh, my Alliance members were getting on my case about Bastion t-shirts. We want Bastion t-shirts. Can't you make this happen? I'm like, okay. So I talked to Rick's and I said, uh, can you make me something? I gave him the logo and he made t-shirts and coffee cups and uh, a clock and all kinds of things, pillows and geez, all like tons of stuff and put it up on the store and is hosting it for us. And it, it's so much fun to drink out of my Bastion coffee mug at, at work. <laughs> and he's done that for um, FCON as well, I believe. And um, he's also done the Venti one too. Um, so he's been really, really busy setting these up. It's great. Just having Eve stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else have anything else? Uh, shout out's fine. Uh, it's on the spot. I didn't plan for this, so you guys probably didn't plan for it either, and that's okay. Um, my shout-outs go to Bayart J, uh, Teridian Biohazard, um, Nash Cadaver, and a bunch of the other people who I'm doing a great disservice not mentioning for the work they've been putting in over the last week or two getting these tournaments set up because they have been putting in the hours, um, and they do a really, really good job, and not enough people shout about the work they do. So I, I just wanted to say, um, from my point, as, as the guy that just sits there and tells them what to do and update the website every now and again, um, thanks a lot guys i really appreciate it good work and i'm looking forward to next week as a player thank you guys for running it uh, the event stuff great fun playing in. awesome well uh yeah one last meetup was the uh san diego meetup that happens how often does that happen once every Third thursday of every month at kaminsky's barbecue oh, nice. the one in madison is the same night the third thursday of the month it's actually an amazing thing because they set up virtual realities, you know, a couple of virtual reality stages. And I don't mean like the home stuff. I mean like the stuff you take to, you know, conventions. 
and uh, you know anybody can play, and there's a bunch of computers. It's like a giant LAN party with posters everywhere. It's really well done. I was uh, surprised. I went to this last one. Thank you. And you can sip with uh, sip wine with Carneros. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> Recommend it if you're anywhere in Southern California. Uh, it's worth it's worth going by. Um, all right. So I also want to say thanks to McLeod who produced the show. And he'll be doing uh, talking in stations. Uh, after show, which is kind of where everybody relaxes and gets the chance to uh, just talk about things. And we invite the viewing audience to come into Discord um, and join us, uh, be, participate in that. And it's a good place to kind of like get your feet for these kinds of shows if you want to do them in the future. And also, if you're running for CSM, it's a good place to get some exposure. Uh, I also want to say that uh, last week's show, we had uh, Pro God Legend. We did an extra half hour on uh, Catch, and he related some naval history with Eve and uh, some kind of how the wars have been shaping and some interesting stuff came out of that show. So I recommend you see that show. And then you can read the article that was written by Arendis that was kind of a rebuttal to that show, to Progod specifically. And uh, so the both of them were at odds about um, naval history, but also how it related to Eve and what that said about the last few wars. Both were very interesting. And then I managed to get them both in the same channel a few mornings ago and I recorded it. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm going to publish that. It may start out, it starts out a little hostile, but by the end, they're friendly, uh, they're friends. But in between that time is an amazing array of Eve history, uh, tactics that are used, um, reconnaissance, uh, the kind of stuff that, wow, very few people, you know, get to participate in. So it's literally like an hour and a half of uh, some great Eve talk, very impassioned, um, but uh, very good. And um, Pro God really lays out some amazing stuff. I was I was blown away, and you know it's kind of hard to do that because I've been around for a while. But check it out. I'm going to publish it right after this, um, and I will also publish last week's uh, Talking in Stations after show, which I missed because um, I got busy during the week. I want to thank Carneros. I want to thank Dunk, Celine, always, uh, Tiberius, and Thel. Thank you guys very much for showing up. And that's it for Talking in Stations. We'll see you next week. <laughs>